My Life Now is a half-hour podcast show which regularly features reviews of new releases and all-time classics of both traditionally published and self-published books. Tune in for special guest interviews and, of course, helpful tips to not only write your next book, but also to help market it. My Life Now is most often referred to as a great way for authors to get quality exposure and avid readers to discover their next read. Without further delay, here's another stimulating episode of My Life Now. Welcome back to another episode of My Life Now. Once again, my name is Dallas Montague here calling you from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And today we have another wonderful guest joining us, Matthew Bonazzoli. Matthew, how are you today? Excellent, Dallas. Thank you for having me on and hello to all your listeners. It's a pleasure to have you. You are a man of many talents, Matthew. Just talking with you for a few minutes here, you play music, you write books, you have so many things going on for you. Can you just tell us one thing about yourself that you would want our audience to know? I am, I am uh, definitely an artistic person. I always think um, with my right, my right brain, but my, my actual career is in uh, defense contracting, which is, I have to use my left brain. So hmm. um, I am an, a lover of animals, a lover of music, um, not so much modern music, but music. And uh, that's, that's pretty much it, you know. And you have recently wrote a few books called what we're going to talk about today, Flea Biscuit Finds a Home, Flea Biscuit's Summer Vacation, and Flea Biscuit's Magic Christmas. And so these are children's books around age eight and up. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Are these your first books, Matthew? They are my first and only books. Only books. Right. I've written for magazines and newspaper articles and things like that, but I had never really written a novel. And um, I don't consider these so much uh, children's books. I know a lot of people think children's book and they think, oh, it's See the Cat. It's mm-hmm. like, no, these aren't like that at all. They're, they're 80 to 100 page chapter books. Um, and so they, they do take more than a real, real six-year-old level reading. Um, so I consider them, you know, real, real novels. And the fact that adults love them as well is, to me, that's a, that's a win-win because from my standpoint, um, I wrote them for everyone, but, uh, Mm. I, I kind of market them more for, for young people. That's an interesting point that you made because when you say children's book, yes, I thought it was more of a smaller book, a picture book, but that's interesting. You actually have the books with you. Can you show that to our audience as well? Sure. Um, this is Flea Biscuit Finds a Home, uh, Flea Biscuit's Summer Vacation, and Flea Biscuit's Magic Christmas. And I'll show you, I'll do a quick page flip. Well, let's pick the Christmas book. Um, so you can see, this is page 30 and 31. Mm-hmm. There is quite a bit of text in there. Um, I, I forget the word counts of these books. I should have actually looked that up. But if you figure this book is 86 pages and probably 40% of that is taken up with illustration. So it's 50 pages of text, mm-hmm. you know, um, but that's good because the, the, the readers that we've encountered and I do readings at, at, at schools and, um, a lot of the people that write me letters are, are young children and they're all, when are you going to write another one? They, they really, really love the books. Um, I should have brought it. I should have had it here. I've got a, a stack of um, children's 
submissions. They send me their own versions of the stories with the characters and wow. it's really cute. So they try to illustrate them and, you know, it, it's just, it's really, really fun. To me, it's one of the best parts just to know that um, the children totally love these characters, you know, and, and I, and, you know, they were real legitimate cats that I had. After his father's death and the remarriage of his mother to an abusive, manipulative man, Scott Maynard dealt with his pain through alcohol, delinquent behavior, and excessive partying. Though Scott lost touch with the spiritual side for many years, it never left him completely. His faith would eventually return, helping to carry him through a broken marriage, single fatherhood, an unimaginable injury, and finally miraculous healing. Find your copy of A Test of Faith on Amazon today. Chat receives a phone call from the hospital only to learn that his wife has been a victim of the most common crime these days, identity theft. Her microchip was cut out of her hand during a store robbery. Chat's wife Jessica is the picture-perfect citizen behind whom he can easily hide his Christianity, but he soon realizes she needs Jesus as well. Her sole focus is on adopting a chipless child from among the children surfacing in society without any record of their existence or parentage. Find your copy of the Nebulae System on Amazon today. I will say I, I came up with the first idea for the first book. Um, geez, 18 years ago, around 2004, uh, I was moving from New England to Florida. And uh, it was a big move. It was a big move. And um, I, I had these, these cats. And I had to find homes for, for Flea Biscuit. And um, it's just a very, very... Uh, difficult thing to to um give away a pet even though i mm -hmm. took flea biscuit in with the idea that i'd find him a home um i find all all animals i just love animals and especially cats there's some people have a connection with cats um and it was very difficult to leave them so when i i drove my uh truck down to florida and on the way i was like I just started putting it together, you know, on long drives. It's great for songwriting. It's great for writing. By the time I actually got to Florida, I had the entire outline for the book. Wow. And then I waited at least a decade to write it. <laughs> and it, it was interesting. I just, I kept thinking I should write it. And then I had some downtime and my sister, uh, Laura, edits books um, for a living. That's her career. And I had talked to her um, about it and she kept pushing me to write it. And then one weekend I just sat down since I had the whole thing in my head, I wrote it. And why do you think you waited so long to put it on paper? I don't know because once I wrote it, it just was like very quick, but I, I would say probably just there's the unknown. It's almost like picking up an instrument for the first time. There's so much to learn. And, um, publishing a book you've got just it's not just the writing i did want these to be fully illustrated i did not want these to be you know as i said before see the cat mm -hmm. type of books i wanted this to be a full story with fleshed out characters and, and character development and, and a full plot and then you have you have writing it the editing the illustrations the publishing and i was it recently moved to florida i was i had a career i was recording um I had a band and it was just, I don't know, considering how it didn't really take that long to write it, I probably should have just done it. But I think it seems to be the right thing it, that I waited. 
I, I think that the books became um, better that way. And I think what prompted me to write it was one of the cats in the book, um, Cheeto, the orange tabby, the, he's like the wise sage character. He's been astray most of his life and he's older than, than the other two cats. Um, the woman who adopted him sent me a, a, a picture of him and I hadn't seen Cheeto in eight or nine years. And I, I had really kind of lost track of if they were even still alive, honestly, because I had them for years. And Cheeto at the time was still very much a feral cat. And I was moving and I did not want to move. Even though Cheeto wasn't particularly my cat, I did not want to move and have that cat there. So I, I convinced um, this woman to adopt Cheeto. And it was really nice to see that Cheeto was just so happy. And Flea Biscuit, I, the, the owners had sent me photos of Flea Biscuit. And so um, I was just so happy to see Cheeto. It put, it put the whole um, backstory in my head. And, I, and I, then I started talking to my sister about it. And, and I asked her, well, you know, I'll hire you to edit the book. And then I had that settled. She's like, oh, sure, I'd love to edit it. And um, self-publishing came uh, uh, by leaps and bounds in the around 2010 or so existed before, but, uh, it was pretty difficult. I think the site was maybe create space or something like that. It's now Amazon bought them out and it's easier on Amazon. Um, as I learned with the Christmas book, because the first book was really, really difficult to get uploaded. Um, the second book was so difficult to upload. I almost gave up. Wow. Uh, and then the third book, though, was no problem. It just shows you how fast, like we were speaking of earlier, how fast technology moves. Mm -hmm. So really, it was when technology caught up and you could self-publish because I, I have a real career and the idea of trying to court publishers and things like that. And, and being in the music industry, I knew that they really do very little for you. This isn't, you know, the 1970s or 80s. It's, it's a very different world up there. The most still do is a very limited post on their website, try to get a, a few uh, distributors to pick it up, but they will not do every promotion. So it's up to you mm -hmm. to do the promotion anyway. So I'd rather just self-publish. It also yeah. means you're very free, as in the same as if you're an independent musician, no one is going to tell you, oh, that song doesn't sound like your other material, you shouldn't record it. Same way with these, with these books. Um, no one's going to tell me that, this character seems too nice or anything. It's just, they're my characters. Yeah, and the way that you want it to be laid out. Right, right. And, and that being said, the personalities of the cats are definitely coming through in the books. They are absolutely the way these cats were. Um, and I've had a lot of people speaking about how adults read these books as well. Um, a lot of adults have written me and said that it has made them look at their cats differently. Because especially the first book, first book is very much um, things that did actually happen. The second book is more of an adventure story. And the third book uh, exists mostly to wrap the, the trilogy up. But it also is my favorite. I think it's the, the most profound of the three books. And when you talk about the trilogy, did you have it in mind in the beginning that it would be a trilogy or was it just that first book and then you kept writing after that? How did that work? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Uh, 
I don't know that I thought that. I think I wrote the first book and 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 just to get it out of my head. As any any uh, creative person knows, there's kind of that you have to get it out because it's kind of bothering you. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like you've got a leaky roof. You have to fix it. Um, you don't really have to. You could live with it, but you really there's something bothering you. And it's like that with creativity as well. There was just something there telling me to write the first write the first book. And so I wrote it. What I didn't expect was that people would love these characters so much. I just thought, you know, I'll put it out there, you know. But then in in a few conversations I had at signings and and things like that with children, um, they were like, well, will will Flea Biscuit ever see Spike and Cheeto again and all that? And I was like, maybe <laughs> so, so they, they kind of had me um think about it and in a few other conversations I, I i just thought yeah all right and then i remember i did another one of those long rides on a road trip and i thought well okay hmm. if i was to do this ironically um i tend to do things in reverse order like the first book i wrote the last chapter first and the entire book i actually wrote backwards um so i don't know if yeah i don't know how many writers would do that um but it's it's kind of an interesting thing i've written screenplays and i do the same thing i wrote wrote them uh, just in reverse if you know how every if you know basically what the characters motivations are who the characters are you need to know how it ends and that will kind of lead you to where to begin and so the first book was definitely written backwards. But then as I thought about the other books, I thought, well, I know how the third book will end. I want to write a Christmas story. I love Christmas. Um, it's it's probably my favorite holiday. Uh, not even probably. It's most definitely my favorite holiday. I love I love the uh, old fashioned music. I love the lights. I love the the feeling of it. I love I love the. Uh, the going snow. To, now you live in church. in Florida, right? I live in Florida. I <laughs> oh no! I never loved the snow. My my thought was always snow is great until after Christmas. Then it should mm-hmm. be gone. But in Massachusetts, it was maybe every third year you'd get a white Christmas. It wasn't wasn't really the norm. But um, I love Christmas, and so I wanted the third book to be a Christmas book. So I actually figured out how what I would do in the third book. And then I thought, well, wait, Flea Biscuit um, would need—I need to bring the characters together. I'm trying to tiptoe around the plots of the books without giving away details, mm-hmm. but let's just say the first book wouldn't necessarily automatically lead to the third book. It could—you could jump. Um, but then I decided uh, that I would do three books, and I even toyed with doing four. And and I thought, no, three is good. Three is good. So. Um, I then just dove in and wrote the second book. Um, it was right when I believe, um, trying to think it was probably 2018 or 2019. And I just literally just wrote it. And, and the interesting thing is I didn't stop. I wrote the draft for flea biscuit summer vacation. Then immediately the same weekend started writing flea biscuits, magic Christmas. Just literally just picked right like it was one large story, which it's totally not. They are completely distinct stories with different messages. 
it's just that I, I got through the second book and, and, you know, you get in the zone for things and writing is very much something you need to, I guess, not even practice. You just have to get in that zone. And, and I, I say that bringing back to your first question of why did I wait so long? And I just can say, because I was never really in the zone to do it. I was always distracted. And then one day I was like, oh, I'm ready to write. And I did. And it really, the first book was done in about 12 hours, at least the first draft. And it was very close. Um, we didn't change much. A few grammatical errors, well, probably about 200 gra- grammatical errors because I was typing it quickly. And um, some few sentence changes, but the narrative, the characters, everything stayed pretty much the same. But I don't know if I answered what you asked in a long form. No, you definitely did. And more some. I had other questions prepared and you you answered them throughout your- <laughs> Oh, sorry. Your, no, don't worry. Excellent. I, have, I do have another question that I do want to ask specifically. And so you already mentioned a little bit how your books are different than other children's books out there. But what else could you say to, to that answer? How are your books different than other books? Let's see. I would say one of the main reasons why these these books are different, um, they're not just um, a story. There's there's more to it. The, these books actually will increase a, a child's reading skills. Um, they've been screened by educators. Um, I, I, I've uh, brought the books to schools. Teachers have reviewed them. Teachers have them in their classrooms. Um, but interestingly, because my sister is a professional editor, um, and I'll bring up an interesting point while I say this, um, the, the books, the first book is slightly easier to read than the second, meaning the sentences are just slightly easier to comprehend. Reading comprehension is tricky if you're in second or third grade, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's, it's tough. Um, the third book, yet again, takes it just as at night, just little baby steps. If the children would want to read all the books, which now that all three are out, most do, most buy them all at the same time. Um, as long as they read the first book for, first, um, their skill set increases rapidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading is a skill. And, um, you know, I wish more children read because I read books all the time. Um, and mostly, mostly um, autobiographies are my favorite, but historical books, things like that. Not really a, a fiction reader, but these these books definitely um, will build the reader's skill. Um, they also teach very valuable lessons uh, that that children probably aren't exposed to as much. But before I get to the lessons, there's something very interesting about these books. Um, in these books, the humans don't talk. There are human characters, but they're very much background. In fact, especially in the first book, the, the, he's just called the man. The cats speak. And children now are, are exposed to a lot of slang, a lot of yeah. hip language, and a lot of language they should not be exposed to. And it's an interesting thing because it, it came with the, the publishing of the books. Um, the few people, uh, child psychologists read them, teachers read them before the first book was published and the editor, my sister, and they all had the same question. It was like, the cats speak very proper English. Is that really what you were going for? And I was like, mm. absolutely. Why wouldn't they? Cats, if cats could speak, 
Why wouldn't they speak proper mm-hmm. English? And and the real motivation for that is is so children are exposed to the, the beauty of, of language. Um, not that I do not use slang. I do probably as much as anyone else. But there's absolutely um, no slang and no vulgar language in these books at all. The cats speak very proper. I, I, and I would say I'm from New England. I know a lot of people think we all sound like Paca Cat in the garage and that we don't. That's mostly South Boston. Um, but it could be anywhere in Massachusetts, honestly. You never know when you're going to come across somebody. In mm-hmm. fact, my my uh, two of my brothers have such a strong New England accent that, that if I haven't seen them in a while, I actually have trouble understanding them myself. Wow. But in this book, um, the only one that has any, any bit of a... a slight vernacular would be Cheeto because he is a stray and he says he's from the old country. So he uses like, I kind of like Scotty from Star Trek is Mm -hmm. how I kind of figured he would speak. Um, But it fits his character, but generally the cats speak very proper English. And I think that's important. Like you said, when you want to introduce a book like this, that is higher level for, for children around that age. And you want them to, to love the language love learning, love reading, all of those things. I think it's important, all of those things that you're mentioning here. Yeah, and, and there's there's a few times in the book, um, there's probably in each book, there's a handful of times where a child may not understand the word. And that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. It teaches them to look a word up or ask their parents and and learn what this word means. It's not very much. And it's written so that if they do not understand it, the sentence kind of explains it anyway. But a lot of times um, when I'm doing a reading for a class or something, some, some child will raise their hand and say, what does that word mean? And that's excellent. It's they're, it's they're interested, they're engaged, and they're, and they're learning. And, and uh, a lot of the parents have, have said that, that they, their child will actually start to speak more properly from reading it mm. because they want to um, emulate the characters. Um, Another thing I'll say about the fact that they're cats, and this is something that um, a child psychologist told me, is that I've always had this issue with with when I ever since I was a little kid. Um, I'll, I'll use like uh, Star Wars as an example, or or Indiana Jones the second one. Children don't want to see children save the world because it makes them feel self-conscious at least in Mm -hmm. my case they want to see you know indiana jones do it because that's something to aspire to in these books um the characters are not children they're cats the the child can get the lessons right from the pages without feeling intimidated or oh this this cat said it's not like it's a cat it's Mm -hmm. a cat and so they fall immediately in love with the characters. And um, if you if you indulge me, I'll talk a little bit about the characters. Um, Flea Biscuit, the main character of the book, um, or he's what I would call the protagonist. Everything kind of happens because of him. But like any any good movie or screenplay, there are, are other characters that probably have equal weight to the story. He's a kitten um, who is is rescued um, from the snow. The first book takes place probably February in New England, 
And um, he ends up at this house. He meets Cheeto in the forest. Cheeto is a stray. He's an orange tabby. Flea Biscuit is a, a gray tiger. And there's an old, a big old house in the woods. That's all it's ever referred to is the big old house. And um, Flea Biscuit has been abandoned by people. But he's a kitten. He doesn't understand this. So he asks Cheeto, who has a little burrow and knows how to survive the winter, what, what do I do? And, and Cheeto's like, well, geez, you're a little kitten. I, I just don't know. He says, but maybe, maybe, um, kind of says, maybe you can find a house and people will take you in. But he says, if not, come here and we'll squeeze in my burrow together. Well, Flea Biscuit does manage to get to the house in the woods. But it's guarded by this big, mean black cat, who, who actually was a big, mean black cat that I had, who turns him away. Um, hmm. And that's about all I will say about what the, the first book starts out as. But the, the black cat, Spike, is very introspective, but he's very defensive. And he believes that he is at the house because the man who owns the house needs him to catch mice. And he thinks that if, if he doesn't, he'll be thrown out. He has to understand, he has to grow to understand that sometimes people do things out of kindness. And Flea Biscuit helps him realize that, as does as Cheeto helps Flea Biscuit realize that. And even Cheeto has his, as most ferals do, they don't really trust people. If, if, they, if the person feeds them, they'll take the food, but they don't want much to do with the people. So um, the characters are very real and have very... Uh, real story arcs and very strong lessons to learn. The first book deals with these types of, of um, prejudices, learning, learning how to be accepted and accept yourself in, in the world and your, your own world, your own life. Um, the second book is mostly an adventure story. It's fast action. A lot happens. Um, but it's the book itself is about prejudice and bigotry and all of the cats show it um, to other animals in the forest, to each other. Um, they're joined in the second book by a new character, Abby, the dog. And Abby's a golden retriever and, and is a dog. And the cats can't stand dogs. They think all dogs are wolves and, and they're not. And Cheeto starts the pro the trouble by scaring flea biscuit about dogs and the third book uh it takes a completely different approach and it teaches children how to overcome loss or tragedy and how to find the value in family and friendship and companionship um which makes it my favorite book. I just, I just love the Christmas book. I love the whole story. It's, it starts off very, very action. Um, and, and to some extent, it was the one that I was really cautious. And I did, I did ask uh, quite a few educators about the, the story because it's scary. As a lot of great Christmas things like A Christmas Carol, they have scary parts. Scary for children, you know, mm -hmm. but um Flea Biscuit has to overcome a tra uh, tragedy, as do some of the other characters in it. And it's how they all learn to rely on each other and become a family it is the gist of the story. And it all kind of wraps up on um, Christmas Eve. And, and a very interesting point of the book is, though it is called Flea Biscuit's Magic Christmas, um, and it's very much a, a uh, 
I would say, a Christmas message. Um, the word Christmas in the text of the book is never mentioned hmm. um, because they're cats. They wouldn't, they wouldn't know about Christ. But what they, they do know and what um, Cheeto tries to explain when Flea Biscuit is particularly despondent um, is that it's a magic season. He says, I've heard this. And he said, and I've heard people believe this as well. And we just have to have faith to see what will happen. And things don't necessarily happen the way Flea Biscuit wants them to, or as quickly as he wants them to. And so he gets very angry about it. And Spike is the one to correct him and basically point out, if you want good things to happen, make them happen. That's the way it works. You can't just sit there and expect the world to come to you and do what you want. If you want, if you want to help those around you, help them. And it's a really powerful message. And uh, in a lot of ways, I think that's kind of what Christmas is all about. People do come together at Christmas. I don't know how long it lasts, but they do come together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Matthew, I have another question here for you. Just to kind of finish up our conversation here today, where can we find this book? Do you have any other social media outlets or platforms that you use to promote the book or if you offer a special fee to buy all three books or something like that? Um, I do not at the time have a, a special fee for, for ordering the three books. There is a website. It's very simple. It's fleabiscuit.com. And the, it's a very simple website. In fact, I, I sorely need to update it. But through the website, people can contact me directly. I get a lot of uh, letters from children through that. Um, you can, it uh, has a link to buy the books. I would say you can get the books at any bookseller. Um, it has the, what do they call that number? ISBN number. And it's registered. Mm -hmm. Every bookseller can carry them. Some do, some don't. Barnes and Noble would have the, would have the books online. Um, most of my sales actually come from Amazon. It is published through Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. in, an interesting little tidbit is, is, um, <clears throat> when I came up, when I finished the Christmas book and it went live on Amazon, um, I got a letter from, I, I ordered author copies, which are, which are what what these are that I have here. And I got a letter from the, this mother. It was, it was literally like two days after the book went live. She had already got it for her daughter, who is a big, big fan of the books. And I was just dumbfounded. I was like, I don't even have a copy yet. But, but that's how Amazon works. You order author copies, it, it'll take you up to two weeks. You, or, you order it direct from Amazon, you get it in two days. <laughs> um, but so Amazon is is number one. Uh, I would add, if you do buy it from an online uh, bookseller, please leave a, a review. Unless you don't like the books, then don't leave me a review. But I've yet to get a negative review. In fact, it's a five-star rated. All books are five-star rated on Amazon um, and Barnes & Noble. Everyone that, that has read them really, really does love them. Yeah. Well, so Matthew, thanks I mean, again. Honestly, that's where you get them. Thank you so much for your time today. And I want to point our audience one more time purchase all three of these books. Don't just read the first one. He put so much time and effort into writing all three of these books, different stories, different plots. I'm sure plot twists as well. So Matthew, again, thank you for your time. Purchase all of these books. And it's been such a pleasure to have you. Is there anything else that you want to say for our audience today? Um, no, I think you've summed it up. I, I don't think uh, I'm very worried. Anyone that gets the first book, I'm pretty sure they're going to want to see what happens in the next what two, continues. even though each story is a, 
is a story unto itself. It has a beginning, middle, and end. Um, you will want to continue. Your children will want to continue, and that's that's great. And maybe, maybe there will be a fourth. Who knows? Yeah. Well, thanks again. You just listened to our podcast here, My Life Now. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening and supporting another episode of My Life Now. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast show and share it with a friend. Together, we can keep the message of these books alive. Until we turn the next page together, stay classy.